Hey, it's Brandon, host of Transform Your Workplace. This episode is hosted and sponsored by Zenium HR. Zenium is a human resource and payroll processing company in the Pacific Northwest, helping small and medium-sized companies with all of the employer needs that they have from employee relations to payroll processing to training and development to all of those things that are just really hard to get to and are a nuisance when you're trying to grow your business, especially during this health crisis. So go to our website, zenimhr.com and check out all the things we have to offer, tons of free content, and you're welcome to learn more about our services as well. Okay, so today is Thursday, the 12th of November, couple days late in getting this episode out to you. I've actually been sick and I've also been planning for an annual event that I do every year. It's usually in person, but this one happened to be virtual and it was a great turnout. Um, It's amazing what you can do virtually and include a lot more people. We usually have about 200 people show up uh, in person for this event. We've been doing it nine years and venue limitations is why we can have 200. And this one we had 600. So it's, uh, I guess a sil- there's a silver lining in some of this virtual stuff. Um, but anyways, I'm back at it. I had a conversation with Luis Gonzalez. He is a communications consultant, coach, and trainer with 25 years of experience in helping businesses, uh, business leaders, business owners um, help with outcomes for organizations. And He's certified in Fierce Conversations and so many other things. And our conversation today is all about remote work. We had a conversation about how do we include people, those that have diverse opinions, diverse ideas, are across the world perhaps, uh, how do we make sure that they feel included in normal business operations? How do we work together as teams? And we also talk about the problem of developing silos within departments and how we can break those down and get people working together a lot more. We also dive into the very technical aspects of like, how do you get people more involved in virtual meetings instead of having people sit back? How do you get them more involved? What kind of questions to ask? So we, we talk about all that. You're going to get a lot out of this episode. Luis was great. Really enjoyed the conversation. So uh, feel free to, to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, any of those places or, or send me an email as well. All those are in the show notes. So feel free to just reach out that way. I'd love to hear from you. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please go there and just click that little five-star rating. That's all you have to do. And of course, if you have more time, write us a review. We'd really appreciate that. Hope you enjoy the episode. We'll talk to you next week. Got lots of great stuff coming. It's such a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Brandon, it's my pleasure as well. Thank you for having me. We're in interesting times. A lot of teams are working remotely. I know I am and I have been for six months or so. And I think probably for the next six months, I'll probably be doing the same. And I know a lot of our listeners are in that boat. How did you get talking about the remote work 
environment? Is this something you're passionate about? Have you been doing it for a long time? Like what's your kind of background as far as remote working goes? Sure. So for me, it started back in 2012 or 2013. Wow, you've been doing it a while. Well, yeah, I worked for an Indian IT outsourcing company based in India, but my role was the senior L&D manager for the entire North America and South America, LATAM and North America. And I was working in India. So that was my experience. First experience with working with remote teams and all the challenges that come with that. What to speak of the challenges of cross-cultural communication. Everyone's speaking English, but I got a team in Mexico, Brazil, Chicago, and somewhere in India. So that was my first exposure to remote teams, working with remote teams, leading remote teams, and the challenges that come with that. Speed up the film, if you will, to use that expression, bring us up to 2020. And suddenly, in March of this year, like a lot of us, I found myself working remotely, permanently, from home, (laughs) 100% of the time. Now, prior to March 12th, I was a road warrior. I don't like the term, but it paints a nice picture, so I'll use it in this instance. I was all over the world traveling and facilitating what I do with fierce conversations, you know, leading workshops that came to a halt in March. And now I am 100% delivering workshops from home on Zoom and other platforms. And so now it's become really pertinent, really important and really top of mind for me and lots of other people in the learning and development space, given everything that we have going on in 2020. So yeah, I'm curious what your experience has been in starting this distributed work, if you will, you've been working with teams across the world, really. And you've been leading teams. And I imagine that you've had a lot of experience in trying to bring out as much as you possibly can with these diverse people, diverse ideas, and to make sure this team can collaborate effectively. Because I mean, quite frankly, a lot of people, this remote work is so new that a lot of conversations are probably very surfacey. Yes, a lack of a better word and don't get very in depth. So how do you draw that out of people where you can get to the hard stuff, have these fierce conversations, if you will? Yep. Well, my first suggestion, my first offering, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is for leaders. And I tend to think that we're in some way, we're all leaders. And it sounds really cliche, but I'll say it, you know, we're all leaders in some way, but this is directed to anybody, leaders and anyone else. Get curious. Don't be satisfied with the first answer. Don't be satisfied on the surface. Ask more questions and then ask some more questions to try to get as clear a picture and as many details and as much context as possible around the situation. When we weren't working remotely as much as we are now or as many people as who are working remotely now, we were in offices, we were in brick and mortar buildings. It was easy to just drop by someone's office and ask a question. In that conversation, we see body language and there's eye contact. And, you know, we could go back to our desk and come back a minute later and say, what about this? You know, now we're remote. We're either less inclined to do it or we're not thinking of it or it's just not in our field of vision. So we don't do it. So we are left with few details and we may trick ourselves into believing that we have all the details And then what do we do as human beings? We fill in the blanks. We fill in the unknowns with our assumptions. And we know where that leads. So to answer your question, for me, it starts with what we call it fierce interrogate reality. 
Whose reality do I need to start interrogating first? My own. What are my preconceptions? What are my assumptions? What do I know about the situation or this person? What am I assuming? What are my biases? All of that. Check in with yourself. And then in conversation, be it a virtual conversation like the one you and I are having or a telephone conversation or a person-to-person in-face conversation, get curious, ask questions. How do you see this? Help me understand how you see this. How did you arrive at that conclusion? What do you feel about this? You know, et cetera. What are your thoughts? What are your challenges? And once we do that, it's been my experience. I don't have the data to back it up. I'm sure it's out there, but I'll just say anecdotally, it's been my experience and probably many others that there's something within us as human beings that resonates when people take a genuine interest in us and ask questions. I so agree with that. That's what I start. I, you know, I love that idea of asking questions and being curious. And my experience, and maybe you've experienced this too, Luis, where you have a bigger virtual meeting than, let's say, five people. So you have lots of little squares of video feeds. Some people may have it on, and some people may have it off. And it's really hard to kind of scan through all of those people to read body language. And some people are just not really comfortable interjecting and asking not necessarily hard questions, but inquisitive questions that might spark further dialogue to making whatever decision down the road. Have you noticed that about remote work and how people the the level of comfort in asking questions virtually changes? Yeah, this is a really excellent point. I love uh, you kind of asking this question and leading us in this direction. So I'm going to step back to 2012. As I mentioned, my first experience working remotely with remote teams and all that, I was looking at this challenge, shall we say, through the lens of, you know, cross-cultural communication. What I mean by that is certain cultures are less inclined, let's say, to want to speak up in a meeting. Certain cultures are more groupthink. Certain cultures lean more towards, you know, don't rock the boat, just go with the flow kind of thing. And Working across cultures, I saw that and I honored that. But now I'm realizing it's even deeper than that. There's just personalities. Some people are embarrassed to speak up. Some people don't want to speak up. Some people have a fear of speaking up. They may uncover their involvement in something that went wrong, or they don't want to appear stupid, or they don't want to appear like they're out of the loop, whatever. There's so many reasons, usually fear-based, a lot of the times anyway, why people don't speak up. So the onus is on us, the leaders, the facilitators, the trainers, the people leading the meetings, etc., to make sure we hear from everyone. Now, what does that mean? If people are not willing to turn on their camera or unmute their mic, then we've got to find other ways to make sure that we hear their perspectives, make sure that they feel engaged, make sure that their perspectives are heard, give an opportunity to ask more questions and get them involved. Maybe it may not be in the context of that particular online meeting. Maybe something you do on the side. Maybe you check in. And there's other ways that we can get collaboration, even in a meeting, an online meeting with, let's say, seven or eight people. There are ways you can get people to collaborate without forcing them or asking them or coercing them or (laughs) urging them, let's say, to turn on their camera or unmute their mic and speak. I love the thoughts that you're bringing up about just getting different perspectives and creating different ways to get people involved and get their opinion. Because the alternative to that is we create silos of people because 
they are almost pushed into a corner, their opinions aren't taken into account, and other people are making decisions on their behalf. What's your experience in that? Because I know that exists. It does, and it resonates with me. You can hear me just chomping at the bit to chime in right now. You know, well, first of all, let me just take back just the thought of silos. They're natural. I mean, it's just how we are. So for example, in my hotel industry career, you know, I had a lens or I viewed things through the silo of what department I was working in. You can apply that to any organization. People in finance will see things through their finance lens. People in HR will see things through their HR lens. Legal will see things through their legal lens. And that's kind of a silo and that's natural and we almost can't help it. But we also should be, from my perspective, proactive in seeking opinions and perspectives and ideas outside of our silos. Because it's hard for people in the same silo, looking through the same lens, to see risks, to see the dangers, to see inefficiencies in their plans that they're planning, or to even be objective. So we actually need to hear from other silos, other perspectives. We need to break out of our silos. Again, they're natural. We can't help it. It's just yeah. you know, birds of a feather kind of a thing. We're all in finance or we're all in learning and development. We have groupthink. We're in a silo, of course. But honoring that and also taking the steps necessary to step outside the silo and invite genuinely perspectives from other people who you know may have a competing perspective to your own. I actually invite that. I want a devil's advocate in my meeting yeah. to see, hey, wait a minute, Luis, great idea. And have you thought about this? <laughs> what about that challenge? I need that. I want it. And I invite it. So that's my thought on that. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, totally. And if group meetings are not the best forum for grabbing the opinions of those that aren't likely to speak up, is there a better way in which to capture that? Is it grabbing one-on-one time? Is it text-based submission form for opinions? How do you like, <laughs> you got to coach me on this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to share with you an awesome tool that I use, that I use with Fierce. We use it Fierce. I've been using it for five years and I've seen its effectiveness. So let's say, for example, I have a meeting of eight people, total of eight. I'm one of eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. I need to make a decision. My job, what I'm getting paid to do with the organization is to make the best decisions possible for the organization. Not to be right. I'm not getting paid to be right. I'm getting paid to make the best possible decisions. How will I make the best possible decisions? Is by hearing as many perspectives as I can get, especially ones that compete with my own. That'll help me make stronger decisions. Now, I got a meeting here and I want perspectives from seven different people. And I'm a very busy guy. It's not going to be possible for me this week or next week to set up one-on-ones with everybody, all seven all right. of them, given those moving schedules and unavailabilities and all that. So the way we do it is this, we call it a beach ball team meeting. And we use the analogy of a beach ball because it's got colored stripes on it. Picture a beach ball in your mind's eye, right? It's got a red stripe, okay. blue stripe and all that. Those stripes represent the silos and the perspectives that come from those silos through those lenses. I want all of them. They make up the whole beach ball. So in the meeting, in the virtual meeting, could be an in-person meeting as well, but since most of us or a lot of us anyway are working virtual these days for the foreseeable future, you can do it in a virtual meeting as well. You share, first of all, what it is, what the challenge is, what I need your perspective on, what I'm trying to solve, 
whatever the initiative is I'm trying to roll out, you share that with the group. You let them know what you would do right now if you had to make the decision right now. And then you ask the group, given all that I've shared with you, given the goals that I need to meet, given what I would do right now, if I had to make the decision right now, I'd like to know your perspective. Please share with me. What would you do if you were me or what are your thoughts on this? And please challenge it. Please be my devil's advocate. Please poke holes in my ideas where there are the weak spots. Now, you and I have already discussed a minute ago, there's going to be people out of those seven people, there might be a few that may not want to speak up in that meeting for various reasons. So the way that we work around that is I don't ask them to unmute their mics. I don't ask them to turn on their cameras really? and okay. talk with us. Yeah. So what we do is when I present all of that to them, and it's not a big presentation, I take five minutes to give them the context, the background, the goal and what I'm trying to achieve. Here's what I would do if I had to do it right now. Now I'm asking for your input, for your feedback. I would like you to either, and this is where you know the, the leader of the meeting can make the decision, either type out your suggestion, your perspective, your idea, your thoughts on how I should move forward with this. Type it out either in the chat box or what I like to do is send me an email. Yeah, send me an email right now and type it out. I'm going to give a few minutes to do that. I want it instant, not instantaneously, but it's not something we're going to do later. I'm going to break for five minutes, let you type that out. Then you see the emails coming in. And now you've got seven perspectives on what you might do to achieve a better result. I've not asked anyone to share it. I'm not really read it out loud to share with everybody else what so-and-so thinks so that there's no room for embarrassment there. But I will read out the suggestions. Now, it depends on what my relationship is with those people in the room and how deeply I know them. Maybe I know all those seven people don't care if their name is attached to their idea, right? So I may, you know, knowing that, we've built trust, let's say we've worked a long time together. I'll just go ahead and say, here's what John says. Here's what Tom says. Here's what Mary says. Thank you, everyone. Or depending on the situation and the communication style of those there in the meeting, I may just, without giving names, say, here are the suggestions I've gotten, I've received. Thank you. And then I tell everybody, given everything, what you've given me, you've given me a lot to think about. And you tell them, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to circle back with you to let you know the results of that. Or perhaps in that moment, you may not know, you may need time to decide. So you tell the group then, thank you everyone for your input. I'm going to take a serious look at this. I'm going to make my decision and I will circle back with you and let you know what decision I made and what the next steps are. So you keep it full circle. The worst thing a leader or anyone can do is seek the perspectives of other people from other silos and then ghost them, if you know what right? I mean. Or don't yeah, follow like up. You don't say how you're going to use the feedback or yeah. what you took into consideration, anything like right. that. Yeah. Or even worse, not to make it worse, but even worse, what if whatever you decided was impactful in a positive way? It really moved the needle somehow for the organization in a positive way. And the reason why you decided on that decision was because someone suggested it. But then it's a success and you don't give praise or honor or recognition to who the person whose idea it was. So that's why you circle back and say, hey, you give me some great ideas. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's when I'm going to do it. And here's how I'll follow up with you. Now, imagine six months down the road, a quarter later, two quarters later, you get accolades. Wow, Luis, great decision you made. It impacted the company in X amount of ways. We earned X amount of dollars as a result. Awesome work, Luis. Well, guess what I get to do? I get to say, I could not have done it 
without the collaboration of my team. John, Mary, whoever else is on the team. And now you get to share, you know what I mean? You get to spread the love, yeah, so to speak, love to use a, neat, a West Coast term, mm-hmm. right? So I'll pause there, man. What are your thoughts? Oh, I love that. You know, one thing that's coming to mind, and this is more of a logistical thing that I think we're going to run into as people might head back to the office. We're probably months away from that. But one of the things that has come up for me in the past is when you have people that work inside of an office that might be in a meeting, and then you're bringing in, let's say, two or three virtual remote people. And just logistically, how do you make sure that there's enough airtime for people not physically in the meeting? You know what I mean? Like you might have people with like that are all together dominating a meeting and oh, you're yeah. not you're not getting the perspectives of those that are either listening in remotely or however. Yeah, What's your success with that? I was gonna say you're describing a scenario that I have lived through many times as the remote worker when there's other people brutal. In, in the office. Yes. So I actually developed a standard operating procedure for us at Fierce because I experienced this exact pain point that right. you just mentioned about two years ago where I would be working remotely or traveling and then I have to join a meeting and I got something to say, no one's listening, they're talking over and suddenly I feel like I'm just on the sidelines. I think I'm just going to click out because this is not the best use of my time. So what I have found works is this, and this is the standard operating procedure we designed at Fierce to improve this. Someone who's physically present there at that meeting, not a remote person, but someone who's physically present should be like the orchestra leader. Someone has got to orchestrate. Someone has got to be the leader. You may not be the leader of the meeting and the discussion points on the agenda, but someone has to pay attention to, for example, are their hands raised by the people Mm -hmm. who are online that they want to speak up or they have a question? Someone's got to be able to jump in when the conversation gets really rolling and picks up speed and energy in the room. Someone's got to be able to jump in and say, Hold on, everyone. Let's check in with our online participants. Do you have any thoughts? What are your thoughts? So someone's got to kind of help orchestrate that. Otherwise, I've seen what happens. It's not really our fault. We just get into the conversation if we're physically present in the room with a handful of other people, and we become absent-minded, and we forget there's three (laughs) people online. So someone's got to be there to be the director or the, I call it an orchestra leader, use whatever term you want, but you see what I mean. Someone's got to have the keen eye. And that's got to be their designated role is to make sure our online participants are engaged. How many virtual meetings have you been a part of where you personally knew that you could just sit back and not participate? Maybe check your email, multitask, check your phone, like, you know what I mean? Basically not be engaged in the meeting, but you're on there. How often have you noticed yourself doing that? when you catch yourself doing that, what's the response or how do you make a change? And then with other people, of course, you know, that's happening. So what do you do about it? Yeah. Brandon, man, you're putting me on the spot and I'm going to come clean. I like to think of myself as a multitasker. And I know that is physically impossible, but I I still hold on to that wonderful idea that I actually can do many things at once with full focus. And I've not been diagnosed ever in my life as ADD, but I have a very short attention span. Let's just call it out right now. So yes, I have often found myself, probably yesterday, in meetings where I knew, online meetings where I knew I could multitask, check email, 
write an email very quickly while they're talking or even check my Instagram status. I don't know. <laughs> it happens all the time. Oh, the yeah. grocery list. What about my Amazon Fresh? Don't forget the milk. Okay. So yes, it happens to me all the time. But you know what I'm working on personally? And I suspect a lot of your listeners today also have a growth mindset. And I also am working on keeping and maintaining a growth mindset, being the best I can be in all situations and all roles that I find myself in. It's a work in progress, I'll admit it. But one of the things that I'm working on in terms of my own personal growth is remaining present in my conversations, remaining fiercely present in my interactions with people. And when I catch myself in one of those, let's say, you know, dragging on meetings or boring yep. meetings or one where they're talking about something that really I'm not involved in or doesn't interest me. When I find myself clicking over to whatever website it is or whatever it is I'm doing that I'm multitasking, I have learned, and it takes practice, but I've learned to catch myself and tell myself, be present, please be present, close it, stop geeking out. That's yeah. So, you know, it's practice for me. Now I turn around and I ask that question, the same question, and maybe in a different way, I may ask that to check other people's context. Hey, how are you showing up in your virtual meetings? Are you fully present? And do people tune into that? Because you know what? I don't know about you, but I can kind of tell when people are spacing out, especially yeah, if they totally. have their video cameras on. <laughs> so yeah, so to answer your question, Brandon, it's a work in progress. I'm getting better at it. I find myself sometimes multitasking and I just remind myself, be present, stay present. Yeah. I mean, you're working on it, obviously, and you're spending a lot of time trying to make sure the quality of your conversations and the meetings are better. How would you rate your current meetings virtually? The ones that I lead or the ones that I attend or both? Ooh. <laughs> Let's start with the ones you lead. Do you think you're an expert leader or facilitator of meetings at this point? Expert's a strong word, but I would like to think, and maybe you can tell by the energy I'm bringing to the conversation today, no one falls asleep in my class. And I have developed a good skill of keeping people's attention, keeping their interest, and most importantly, especially in webinar sessions, keeping them engaged. I've learned not to lecture and to, again, ask questions, throw up some polls, ask people to unmute their mics if they want to share. So I would say yes, from the perspective of hosting, delivering, leading yeah. any kind of webinars or online meetings, I think I've gotten pretty good at it. What about the ones you're participating in that somebody else is facilitating? You're like, oh man, I wish I was facilitating this. I wish I could host this because people would be more engaged. What advice would you give to people who you're just like the ones those meetings are falling flat and they need to do something to engage people? Like what tips could you provide? Gosh, so many. But the first thing that comes to my mind is number one, you know, this is a lot of what I did at Microsoft when I was coaching some of the software engineers at Microsoft in India, of all places, on how to give presentations to their US American and Canadian clients. First of all, for adults, what's the point of this meeting? What's the agenda? Where are we going? What are we discussing? And what do I get out of it at the end? What's the expectation for me? So start off there. Second of all, what people tend to do that turns me off, that makes me want to multitask and check out, lecture. <laughs> yeah. Lecture, lecture, lecture. Too much talking, too much talking. And believe me, I'm speaking from experience. I'm a talker. I like my lecture shoes. I've also often taught at universities. But you know what? 
in the online arena, if you will, or online, lecture less, engage more. I will stay engaged in these online meetings and workshops if I am engaged, if I'm invited to engage and given an opportunity to engage. So those are my first two suggestions that come to mind. Yeah, I love that. Let's just end with this. What are the implications to those conversations and meetings that don't improve the quality level conversations, the relationships of the virtual team? Like what, I mean, what's the outcome at the end of the day, if you don't approve this? The outcomes, the risks, the challenges, the costs, the dangers, we'll sum it up all like that. First of all, the nature of our relationships are directly related to the nature of our conversations. Surface conversations lead to surface relationships. Deeper conversations, candid conversations, truthful conversations, heck, fun conversations lead to truthful relationships, candid relationships, fun relationships. They're directly related, number one. So how are you showing up to these conversations to enrich these relationships, number one? And number two, if you're not taking the conversations to a deeper level, in other words, if you're just satisfied with the surface answers, Remember at the beginning of our conversation today, Brandon, I said, ask questions and ask more questions. So if you're just satisfied with the surface answers and you're not asking more questions, you're not getting deeper into the conversation, you're not getting as many details about whatever the situation is that you could be getting. And then what do we do as human beings? What do we tend to do when we don't have all the information and there are blank spaces? We fill in those blank spaces with our assumptions. We make up ideas, we make up stories that we tell ourselves, and we believe them to be true. But we know those are assumptions. And I don't know about you, but many times that I make assumptions, they don't lead me to the results that I want to get or that I say I want to get. These assumptions cause us to not get those results. They cause failures. And they embarrass us, and they can actually ruin relationships as well. So to answer that question, take the conversation to a deeper level so that we don't need to assume Because once I have as much information as I can get, once I have lots of perspectives, including the ones that differ from my own, that compete from my own, I'm feeling good. I can make a better decision. I think I'm more equipped to move forward. The risks, the costs, the challenges, the dangers are less when I'm able to do that. Take the conversation as deep as you can go. Get curious. Ask more questions. And in the process, you're enriching the relationship and you're getting more information with which you can make the best possible decision for the team or the organization. Luis, this has been such a fun conversation. I really enjoyed talking with you about all this. I think it's really important. But if people want to go deeper on this and everything that you're talking about, where can they learn more about you and your work? Yeah, thank you. And by the way, I really enjoyed it as well. And thanks for asking. So two ways to get in touch. First of all, if you're a leader and you want to transform the communication in your team or your organization to make it more effective, to improve your results, we've got some amazing resources you can find on our website. Just go to fierceinc.com. I'll spell it for you. Fierce, F-I-E-R-C-E-I-N-C.com slash resources. In fact, you will find in the resources tab, Nine fun ways to stay connected while working remotely, the topic we were just talking about. And then, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. 
I love growing my network and talking more about this kind of stuff with other leaders, other people in our world. So find me on LinkedIn, Luis Gonzalez. It's linkedin.com slash I-N slash Luis Gonzalez. By the way, Gonzalez has an S on the end. Send me a quick message. Happy to keep the conversation going. So again, it's fierceinc.com slash resources and connect with me on LinkedIn. Luis, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Brendan, the pleasure has been mine. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for the opportunity. 